Welcome to the Voices of Manufacturing, where business leaders across the country share their unique challenges and insights. We want to help people within manufacturing and make them excited to come to work every day and go home safe to their family. When you bring people in, they're anything but a machine. They're partners that can help you build your business, that can be your success if you treat them right. It's almost like magic because it takes the learning process sometimes from weeks down to days, sometimes hours. This podcast is brought to you by Dazuki, the premier frontline digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. And now here are your hosts, Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. Michael, we've got a great guest today and a good friend of yours. You want to introduce us to our guest? I'm happy that Mark Preston is joining us today. Mark and I have known each other for a while, mostly through AME and through the Champions Club. We met face-to-face actually for the first time this fall at the AME conference. Um, But I really look up to Mark as a serious lean practitioner. He's very practical. He's full of stories. So I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. And I'm also really excited because a lot of our conversations um, have been very strategic, very much on the leadership level. And today we're going right down to the shop floor, which I know he's very passionate about, just like I am. So that's our topic for the day is bringing continuous improvement where the work is actually happening. So welcome, Mark. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here today. One of the things that you said, you know, always will remember that the experts are the people that do it every day. Sometimes it's not always the people in the office. It's the people that do it every day that have the best ideas. And you have to really engage those people. And that's what makes the difference in world-class companies and just regular companies. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of my background. Um, as you can tell, I have the Southern accent. So I came uh, from Griffin, Georgia. Uh, I live here in Peachtree City, Georgia. I've always lived in Georgia, but I've traveled the world and I've had a lot of great experiences. My first 11 years out of Georgia Tech was with TDK Electronics, and people probably remember the VHS videotapes and, and recordable discs. We made 5 million VHS videotapes a month, and what a great start I had in my career after Georgia Tech. I got to go to Japan as a management trainee. And I went there almost uh, over 15, 20 trips to Japan and really studied a lot from the Japanese uh, in my 20s uh, and became a plant manager here in Georgia. After 11 years with TDK, I went to Respironics. They make the medical devices. Uh, You probably know sleep apnea devices, sleep apps, as well as uh, masks and oxygen concentrators. And I was the operations manager in the Georgia plant. Then I actually set up global sourcing for Respironics. And then at the end of my seven years at Respironics, I was the director of operations for asthma and allergy. And so I actually was able to bring the mini elite nebulizer to fruition as the first portable nebulizer uh, for Respiron. After that, I ended up at Acuity Brands Lighting, Lithonia Lighting, about a $4 billion company with light fixtures everywhere and was the director of Acuity Business Systems, later the vice president of supplier development and operational excellence. After six years at Acuity, ended up uh, my own company, Lean Applications, which I'm president and founder of even today, 
And then the last uh, year, I was actually working with the Kohler company and helping them set up their Kohler operating system. So it's been a great 30-year, over 30-year uh, journey for me and Lane. I'm learning every day, and I love to uh, teach and share uh, with people that, that want to improve and really see a difference in their company. Yeah, I appreciate that, Mark. You, you've got a wide variety of experience, and you've, you've always were arm's length away from where the work is done, the shop floor and operations. So I, I greatly appreciate that. Thank you. You know, my, my acronym for Lean is Living Engaged Attitude Now. So I want you to think about a lot of people think Lean's about cutting people. Well, the only, it's about eliminating waste. And the only waste that I know of that's a person is my daughter's ex-boyfriend. Other than him, no, people aren't waste, you know? And I think uh, when, I, when I look at Living Engaged Attitude Now, it's really the right acronym. Because lean isn't something you just do at work. It's something that um, you do at home. Can you find your keys in five seconds or less? How organized are you? Are you spending time looking versus time with your family and your hobbies? Are you living it? Are you engaged? Are you just working for a paycheck? Or are you also working to improve yourself and improve the company? You know, what are you doing? Or how engaged are you? And we're going to talk about a great engagement tool in a minute. Attitude's contagious. You come to work with a good attitude, everybody's going to have a good day. Come to work with a bad attitude, it's not going to be a great week. Um, and then now, there's no better time than now to improve. So what are we doing every day to make things a little bit better? And so as we talk about lean, I want you to think of that in those terms and uh, eliminating waste and really how do we really get people engaged. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've, I've been not using the word lean as much because of the negative connotations, but boy, with that acronym, I might have to start bringing that back into my vocabulary. That's great. Well, hey, Mark, we've been hearing rumors about this thing you call the rattlesnake content. So we want to spend some time understanding what that's all about. And is it just a gimmick or what's going on? So could you just tell us what what, what it is? So a rattlesnake hunt, came about about 14 years ago when I was doing some supplier development for one of my suppliers at Acuity, uh, Osram, Sylvania in Monterey, Mexico. They made ballasts for us for all our lighting. And so I was doing a lot of training on 5S and organization of the factory. And when I went there, you know, I started getting the feeling that 5S or became just here comes the auditors we better hide everything and when they leave we'll get it back out it just became a policeman type you know regulatory type tool and i'm like how do we change this up so sitting there in my hotel in mexico i thought about well why don't we make it a little competitive make it a little fun and, and think about a rattlesnake it, it's something that'll bite you if you see it bite you if you hear it if you're around it long enough it'll bite you so what about a safety issue, a cord on the floor that I'm going to trip on eventually? It's a rattlesnake, right? Because it could bite you eventually. What about a quality issue where you have mixed labels in a bin? It's a rattlesnake. What about something that's not organized? It might turn off your customer and it might create a problem for you to find and be efficient in what you do. So I started thinking about, 
you know, these are all rattlesnakes all around us. How can we make this a real fun, competitive way? And, and some people call it like 5S on steroids. And I, I think it's, it's one of the best ways to engage your employees and, and, uh, in what, what we're doing here. Mark, is that the, you know, the, the real benefit of, you know, you have 5S and then you've got this rattlesnake concept. You're, you're really trying to drive engagement. Uh, that's, that's the main thing, get people excited about it. I mean, just the name alone, it creates curiosity in my mind. What, what's the typical reaction you get from folks when you introduce it to the front line, the folks on the factory floor? So the first time that we do it, it's a three-day event and I'll explain it to you in a minute on what, what we do. But the first time we, we do it, you know, people start as day one, two, and three go on, they start really getting into it. And they start taking pride in the area that they're working around. And, and the main thing, if I said learning to see is the main thing that a rattlesnake hunt does for you. It helps people see problems all around them. It helps them see safety issues all around them. It helps you see quality issues. It helps you become more organized in 5S. And it really helps people learn to see what's around them and to help them make their job better. Yeah. And follow-up question for you there, Mark, you know, when a lot of companies I've interacted with that are embarking on their, their lean journey, a lot of times they do start with 5S and, and I imagine a lot of folks have heard of 5S and have some idea of what it is. Are, when you work with companies, do you suggest that they start with, uh, 5S as a, one of their first steps into lean? And then do you present it as a rattlesnake hunt versus 5S? That's correct. So if they've never done 5S. I would say that it's a great thing to start with rattlesnake hunts, uh, one event per month, a one three-day event per month. And, and I'll let, let me just explain what it is so you can understand it. So beforehand, we'll, we'll work with the operations team and we'll get three teams of three to five people on each team. And we'll select three different areas in the plant. And so then when, when I get there, we've actually decided three different areas in the plant, or when you start the event, you'll see three different areas. You'll have three teams of three to five people. And then we'll do some training. What is five ends? What is the eight waste? What are non-negotiables that you should have in your facility? And uh, we start helping people learn to see what's all around them. The first day, the teams go out. They each have a camera and tags. And so they have to capture or tag at least a hundred rattlesnakes per team. And they'll take a picture of the cord on the floor that you're gonna trip on, you'll tag it, and then you'll put that picture in the conference room with half the tag. And so what happens is by the end of day one, you have 300 pictures because you have three teams. Each team has a hundred pictures on the wall and you'll have 300 pictures on the wall with the tags. Then I have them label is it a safety, is it a quality, or is it a 5S snake? Then they have to decide what's their top three because I'll usually get the plant manager to judge who's got the biggest rattlesnake, who's got the most rattlesnake, who's got the biggest safety or the biggest quality. I go, spare no expense, go to the dollar store, get some candy bars, and have some prizes the next morning. So once you end up doing that, then people are really excited about, oh, we got the biggest rattlesnake. I got a candy bar. 
And then the next two days of the three days, they have to kill 80% of the snakes, which means they have to fix it. And then they have to put the after picture of it being fixed next to the before picture. And so what you get in three days is engaged employees ready to tell all their friends about what we just did of finding 300 problems and fixing 250 of them in three days. I challenge any company. There's not too many events where you can come in and make a difference like that, you know? And so it becomes very exciting and engaging. Now, going back to your question, sometimes if you've never done lean or 5S, then just start with a rattlesnake hunt and you can teach 5S that way. A lot of companies become stagnant with their 5S program where it becomes a pencil whip, check the box, you know, how are we doing? And you can rejuvenate it by doing rattlesnake hunts. So you can approach it both ways. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Mark, about that, you know, where, where it may become a little tiresome or, you know, people have said, hey, I've submitted ideas and I'm not getting any feedback and, you know, we've always done it this way. You know, what is it about this rattlesnake approach that, that drives that energy? Is there, is there, other than the name, which is really catchy? It really gives the people the opportunity to do something, uh, you know, and it gives them the opportunity to fix things they've been complaining about. And it also gives them accountability and ownership. You know, I always say, if I, if I made my son's bed every day, he would never make his own bed. So you can't go about, oh, that's the maintenance department's issue. That's the cleaning crew's issue. So you start putting some sweat equity into it. You become a little prouder of the areas that, that you work in every day. And, and I talk to people about sometimes people are in these work environments more than they're at home, or at least about half as much time as they're at home. Why aren't they world class? Why aren't they a wow factor? You know, why aren't we working in a great environment? And the rattlesnake hunts really help you do that. Now, I'll give you, the, you know, Neptune in Tallahassee, Alabama. Wayne Pitchford is a good friend of mine. After working with them, they've done, usually I'll go in and teach a rattlesnake hunt and then teach them how to do it. And they'll do one a month on their own, you know. And so they've done two years worth of rattlesnake hunts or more. And at one point, they had killed over 6,000 rattlesnakes. That changes an entire culture. That changes an entire vision for the company. And so what I will say is usually 20% are safety-related. And that's huge. You know, a OSHA bottle that's not labeled is a, or a chemical bottle that's not labeled, that's an OSHA violation. Or something that, you know an electrical outlet that doesn't have a cover on it. You know, there's big rattlesnakes and there's small rattlesnakes. The big ones start going away, but you still continue to find the small ones that continue to fine tune facility. But that's the excitement about really seeing something done and not just talking about it. Mark, that, that seems to be the situation you see oftentimes in, in factories. Everybody's got good ideas and wants to share ideas for improvement. But it's, can we actually make that improvement? And then to be able to see it happen in a two to three day event, I got to imagine that's, that's such a powerful experience for operators and that, that ownership aspect that you, you mentioned there. Um, but going back to kind of the process, you know, you mentioned three teams in three areas, 
where do you usually suggest folks start out at? You know, what areas are they, the areas where they tend to have the most challenges or is there any specific you give folks? Not really. I, I would say that you, you have to take a long-term view. This is just the beginning. The first one is just the beginning. So you would want to rotate the people every month. So you have different people on teams and then you would rotate the areas. So the goal is to cover every area of the plant. So if you had a plant layout, I would end up really making it like a, a puzzle so that you have different areas. So you cover every area of the plant and that every employee can be on a rattlesnake hunt team, right? Because you want to give everybody that, that chance. Now, one, one good thing that's come from that is you'll start seeing people stand up on these teams and, and they're like, okay, this, this could be a potential leader. I'm going to make them a captain of the next month's team. So what we do is the first team, three of the people on the first event will be three captains and then we'll have new people. So that way it continues the training and coaching and you also start seeing people really standing up as leaders that are all over. The other thing is the team dynamic because you have, you know, in the areas you select, you want at least two people on the team. But you have other people that may be in the office or may be in, in shipping that never work with the people in that area. And they have fresh eyes and they also start learning different people. Okay. So you're not just including production workers, maintenance, like this is including folks in the office as well, who are, you're bringing them out on the floor or are they in the office area doing this? No, we'll do one in the office. I did one in the R and D area. I mean, I mean, we find things like a vine growing up the wall in the office area or mold in the office area, different things that you would be surprised about, you know, and and really teach them what's world-class look like. You know, do you have products all over the floor in your conference room? Do you have handwritten notes that have been up there for years, you know, and they're not typed and laminated? So we have to look at a lot of those things. And, and having a guide like uh, what's a non-negotiable list for the plant really helps you. And, and it tells people what we should not have in the plant. And so this has also become part of it. Hey, Mark, I hate to bring up the, bring, bring up the business side, but I got to ask the question, what are the metrics that, that come into play here as you're doing these events, um, going after these wastes, um, you know, both, both high level metrics, you know, productivity, waste, whatever, um, and even, and even leading indicators that center more around the rattlesnake process itself. This is all can really be classified as a proactive windshield metric, right? Because you're preventing these things from happening. You're preventing the, yourself from getting bitten by a snake, right? So if you're, say for instance, the last one I did, we found 346 rattlesnakes and 86 of them were safety related. And so we killed all the safety problems, right? So you're actually going from being reactive to proactive, which changes the game on your metrics. And so It'll start driving your safety goals up. It'll start improving your quality yields. Efficiency will really be improved because you have what you need, where you need it, when you need it, because it's organized. So you can start seeing all the safety, quality, productivity, inventory, and delivery all going 
really improving because you're being proactive than always just looking behind you in a rearview mirror and being reactive on how we did last month, right? So that's where the metrics come into play. You really got to balance. You got to look at those rearview mirror metrics, but what is your balance? Are you doing a, a rattlesnake hunt that will really change the game proactively? Well, you know, it sounds like if you've got a, a rhythm, a monthly rhythm, as you suggested, you know, it's not going to take a whole lot of time for those lagging metrics to start shifting. You know, you're going to get 300 plus 300 plus 300 ideas and solutions. And so it should show up in those metrics fairly quickly. Are there ways that you measure the team success, you know, the individual rattlesnake team success, apart from just, you know, number of ideas generated? So you can see it in, in the engagement and excitement, definitely. And you'll start seeing other individual suggestions and that the suggestion box or, or the suggestion program will start filling up after you start doing these things, right? Because people are like, Hey, they're listening to me. We're doing what we need to do. Things are looking better. And so they get the feeling that the company's going in the right direction and they are because they're looking proactively. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is having a wall of fame. I would have the team picture for every team and how many they found and how many they killed in the date and start framing those and putting them on a wall when you first enter the plant. Number one, it's a wow factor, right? So if I'm an employee or associate, I want my team picture, my picture on the wall of fame, right? And it starts developing some pride. The other thing is if I'm a customer and walk into this plant and I see what is going on with all this? We fixed uh, 6,000 things before they happened, before they caused me a problem. That's a pretty much a differentiator in suppliers, potentially, if I'm a customer. And so a wall of fame really starts showcasing that, hey, we reward. I mean, it's not a lot of money that you're spending. Candy bars, but you're giving recognition, giving more than money. You're giving pride and really helping people see the light. Yeah, Mark, that's such a great point. When you think about I'm a supplier to another manufacturer, my customers are coming in doing inspections. What a great way to prepare for their visit to have one of these rattlesnakes at a hunt ahead of time. But my question is more around what do you see a mentality shift from these after this is introduced? You do the first rattlesnake hunt. Are they continuing to look for opportunities to improve and fix things after the rattlesnake hunt now? And it's, you know, not something where it only happens during a rattlesnake hunt. Definitely. And you got to be prepared for that because you'll find that you'll miss all the things they're doing on their own now. And so if you have a, uh, you know, a, a glass wall or a, or a KPI board, make sure you have a place where they can write their own rattlesnakes and what they fixed, you know, even if they're not having events, because they'll see things that are done. One of the things that we always do at the report out at the end of day three is we'll walk everybody that it was in those areas through the conference room so they can see what we found, what we fixed, and the teams can kind of report out on what they gained from that. And it actually, it creates pull instead of push. And I always talk to people, you know, how are you creating pulling people to want to do something? And this really helps create that pull in people because you get some a lot of volunteers the next time, hey, I want to be on the next three-day rattlesnake hunt because it looks like it would be really valuable and rewarding. That seems like the one 
area of concern that you might have is that when you gamify something like this, you know, Hey, when we're playing the game, I'm going to suggest stuff and I'm going to fix stuff. But when we're not playing the game, I'm going to save it for the next time we play. And so make it sure that you're recognizing those, you know, improvements, even outside of the periods where you have a rattlesnake hunt going on seems like a really important factor. Definitely. And part of the wall of fame is individual improvements, not just yeah. the team events. It should be, what was the before picture? What was the after picture? What improvements did I make so that you can be put up on the wall of fame? And what does that do? It shares, it's Yokoton is what they call it. It, it basically shares best practices throughout the company. Uh, and this is very important because if I'm working in shipping, I might not know what's going on in assembly. And if you have some place to showcase the before and afters, it becomes a big deal. Hey, Mark, just a, a quick sidebar, just as a leader, you decide you're going to do this, you jump in and um, you mentioned snacks and providing a schedule and an environment, a three-day itinerary. What are the things do you have to do as a leader to make sure stuff gets done? And how do you support that so that you get that 80% win rate? A lot of that, a lot of that's going to fall on the leader themselves. Definitely. Um, love for the VP or the plant manager to be the biggest cheerleader. So at the end of each day, we'll have a 10 minute report out on day one, day two, and maybe a 30 minute report out on day, day three. So we need that engagement of the leadership team to really say, you know, this is unbelievable. We got to do this each month. And really it's the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. You got to make sure you stick by that. And actually that's really powerful when you see the vice president on a rattlesnake hunt team the next month. So I've actually had VPs and presidents and directors on rattlesnake hunt teams, and they're working to fix problems that they help the teams. How powerful is that? Because that then people can see how important it is to be efficient and to be less wasteful and to help people not have a safety issue or a quality issue. And so I encourage that all leadership has to be on the Rattlesnake Hunt team to really not hit one time, but through the course of the year, it's great to have those mixed, those folks mixed in as well. Well, as a facilitator, part of your job is to go to the leaders and set expectations and make sure that they make their appearance and maybe even coach them a little bit on the script, how they can be present and how they can ask good questions and show appreciation. Um, not part of the leadership culture often. So you as a facilitator are bringing that in. It's, re it's really good. It is, it is also that the leadership team needs to set standards and what's non-negotiables. And so that's another part that they got to look at. So for instance, people don't really know what I'm talking about when I'm saying non-negotiables. So there should be no handwritten notes that are longer than a week posted anywhere, right? So that's not world-class. Why can't it be typed up, right? If it's not laminated in the South, what happens? It gets curled up and looks terrible. So there should be no laminated sign, right? It's little things like that. There should be no ladders leaning against the wall that aren't tied down. There should be no unlabeled chemical bottles. There should be no um, flat surfaces above six feet. And this is a funny one because... If you have a flat surface like a locker and somebody puts their coffee cup up there and it stays up there for three or four weeks, right? You know, it, it's because there's a flat surface and you can put something up there. 
or it could be a big box. You don't know how much it weighs, could be ergonomic problem. But if you put a lean-to roof on that locker, or if you put an angle roof so nothing can be put up there, you can make it anything above six feet should not have a flat surface. It starts changing that people can't leave things in the wrong place, right? And so things like that. Another big one that I've found is there could be no liquids on top of electrical panels or electrical boxes. Every plant I go to, somebody's got a, a water bottle on top of an electrical panel. Well, one drop in my computer fries my computer. And we're talking billions of dollars worth of equipment and somebody's laying a water bottle on top of it. So, but people don't know until you tell them. It's not their fault. So if you have a non-negotiable list, it really helps people frame that. You also have to have standards. What color are the aisleways? What color is non-conforming bands? What color is good product or finished goods? So there could be a color code standard. There could be other standards leadership needs to set. So they're definitely involved in, in a rattlesnake cut because you're setting what is the structure, what is the standards. And, and without either one of those, it's very difficult to sustain. Yeah, that's the classic quote, you know, make the standard, find a better way. And without the standard, I mean, you're, you're kind of lost. A great suggestion for the leaders to set that expectation. Hey, Mark, you mentioned the Yucatan or the ability to replicate and reference um, and share ideas. Can you comment on how Rattlesnake results are shared maybe from site to site across an organization? At Kohler, one of the things that we accomplished this year is there were 69 sites and I call them islands of excellence because you've got to go to the island before you see the best practice. And so it's very difficult. So we created a SharePoint site that has a before picture and after picture and a recipe or, or what was the opportunity. And so you can actually search on a 5S corridor or cleaning station and it'll show you that best practice. And so we started putting the best practices into this SharePoint site. So that's one way to do it, to share it across. You can also have a newsletter or, or electronic newsletter or, or some other way to do it. But I'm really proud of that. Kohler did a great job with that and ended up now we're sharing best practices across all 69 sites. And so it, it does make a difference. Also, you got the wall of fame in the site itself. And you have other ways to share as well. And and you were seeing people taking that and implementing, replicating it and taking the idea and say, hey, we've got the same opportunity at our site. Definitely. Definitely. And, you know, you know, I won't say how many millions of dollars we save, but there's several millions of dollars that we save at Color by best practices and projects like that. Just accelerating the improvement through that, through that process. Yeah, very good. Mark, this has been great. I think this is a really great tool for companies to use to drive engagement and continuous improvement. I'm curious for you mentioned your consulting company, Lean Applications. Where can people find out more about this concept of a rattlesnake hunt? How do they get in touch with you? My website is www.leanappl.com, leanappl.com. And you can find information there. I have a book on Amazon called Southern Sensei that's got a chapter on rattlesnake hunts that you can find out more about rattlesnake hunts. And, you know, I had fun with that. Each chapter is a Southern saying. 
uh, going on around snake hunt. One is uh, waste is like kudzu. You can never stop killing it out. Another is if the bobber goes under, give it a yank on visual trigger systems. So, you know, you have to have fun with this also and really engage people. So Southern Sensei is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. But also my email is southernsensei at gmail.com. And I'd love to talk to you about doing a rattlesnake hunt. I'm a full-time um, practitioner. I won't say consultant because I've actually done it in operations in companies for many, many years. But I love to share, and I'm very passionate about what companies can do with Lane. Hey, Mark, one one last thing, maybe. Uh, a, a conversation with you would not be complete without mentioning the Lean Sensei tool, the assessment tool, and how you know we work together on that a little bit. And you're definitely the champion of it. But just a quick snippet of what that is and how companies can leverage that tool for more a broader assessment across the organization. AME is Association of Manufacturing Excellence. And if you go to ame.org, there's a lead sensei. I was on the, uh, I've been, that's been my family for over 25 years as a lane champion and on the board and, and other things. But one of the things is they have an AME Excellence Award. So it's one of the best companies in the world can receive this. Well, I wanted companies to see how they can get to that, even if they don't apply for the award. So I created a linked assessment based on the assessor's notes and metrics that they judge in the AME. And so this AME Lean Sensei actually has 65 questions and you answer them based on where you think you are in each question. It gives you what great looks like, what all the journey looks like, and just starting looks like. And so you give yourself an A, B, C, D, or F. Then you either have to prove it in writing or prove it in visual, or you give yourself gaps. And there are 65 questions. Michael helped with technology questions. Basically, I just corralled all these great experts and, and we created this. Then once you get done, it gives you a visual display of where you're weak. But I only didn't stop there. I linked all those to webinars, articles on those subjects. And so it's, a, it's got over 300 webinars and videos. It's got over 600 articles linked to all these questions. So it's a great resource for companies to say, hey, where are we on the lean journey based on what an AME assessor would come in and tell us. And so it's free to AME members. I would go download it in Excel workbook. You can see I'm kind of a nut when it comes to links. So I linked it all to a dashboard and it's just one Excel workbook, but I think it will help you a lot. And I look forward, if you have any questions about that, I can help you with that as well. I mean, it's very well written, very practical. And then again, back to the rattlesnake. And now you're taking that concept right down to the front line. So you've got the whole organization engaged in this improvement activity from leadership to a frontline operator. Mark, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today and sharing this great concept with us around the, the rattlesnake hunt and wish you best of luck with your consulting business as well, Lean Applications. Thank you very much. I appreciate y'all having me on. And I also will say I've used Dazuki software and it is great when you're looking at standardized work and work instructions. I wouldn't be on it if I didn't like the product. So I know how good Dazuki is as well. Well, I appreciate the feedback there, Mark. We try not to talk too much about Dazuki, the product, but it's always great to hear positive feedback like that. So thank you.
Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Voices of Manufacturing podcast with Brian Salee and Michael Mullenberg. This show is brought to you by Dazuki, the premier digital transformation solution that allows manufacturers to standardize operations. Our website, where you can listen to our episodes and find tons of helpful resources, is dazuki.com. Sign up for our monthly newsletter so you'll be the first to know about new episodes. That's dazuki.com, and join us in creating the front line of the future.